0: in Georgia Ag in Review for the week ending August 2nd. Since this is hurricane season, storm tracking can be a very dangerous and expensive science. But there could come a day when relatively inexpensive unmanned vehicles will swarm over, under, and through hurricanes to help predict the strength and path of the storms. Sabrina Hill has the story.
1: Storm tracking can be a very dangerous and expensive science. But there could come a day when relatively inexpensive unmanned vehicles will swarm over, under, and through hurricanes to help predict the strength and path of the storms. The tiny autonomous craft, some fly, others dart under the waves, can spy on hurricanes at close range, while sensors on board collect and send in real time the data scientists need to predict the intensity and trajectory of storms, pressure, temperature, humidity, location, and time. The project, being developed at the University of Florida, features miniature flying machines, just six inches long and about the weight of an iPod Nano, which can be launched with commands from a laptop hundreds of miles from the eye of a hurricane, with mathematical models to predict regions in the atmosphere and ocean that can give the vehicles a free ride toward their destination. Once in the vicinity, they can be powered off to wait for a particular current of wind or water. When they detect the current they need for navigation, they power back on, slip into the current, then power off again to conserve fuel as the current carries them to a target location. The devices are a departure from the current technology, which uses hurricane-recognizance aircraft to punch through the storm's eyewall and release sensors that freefall and might or might not collect helpful data. Underwater data is even more difficult to collect today, although just as important, considering that the warm, moist air on the ocean's surface provides fuel for hurricanes.
0: In our weekly Getting to Know Your Beef Checkoff, brought to you by Your Beef Checkoff, we hear from Jordan Harrison of Yvalda, Georgia. He is this year's Senior Beef Ambassador in Georgia and wants cattle producers to know their checkoff investment into the Beef Ambassador program is a great way to reach consumers. Here is Randall Wiseman.
2: In this week's Getting to Know Your Beef Checkoff brought to you by Your Beef Checkoff, we have Jordan Harrison from Uvada, Georgia, who is this year's Senior Beef Ambassador in Georgia. He promotes beef to consumers on a regular basis and sees the importance of the checkoff.
3: Cattlemen have learned to be proactive in their efforts. Um, You know, whether it be on the farm or actually when it comes to teaching others, you know, how we need to represent their industry. They have started the Beef Ambassador Program, and um, they're preparing today's youth to go out and represent the beef industry.
2: There are many ways the Beef Checkoff works, but when it comes to his role as a Beef Ambassador, Harrison told me he likes to use his personal experiences when talking with consumers.
3: Uh, to relate to the consumer and uh, bring it down to a personal level, tell them about my farm and my personal experience with cattle. We've got a lot of people under the stereotypes that- there's you know, just huge commercial operations, and that's really not the case.
2: And thus, Harrison wants cattle producers to know their checkoff investment into the Beef Ambassador Program is a great way to reach consumers.
3: The Beef Ambassador Program has not only taught me a lot, but I'm sure there's a few consumers out there who have learned a lot from me while I've been involved in this program.
2: And talking with consumers about beef is something he enjoys doing. Get to know your beef checkoff at mybeefcheckoff.com, funded by the Beef Checkoff.
0: Staying with Randall, the new chief of USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service is Jason Weller, and as talks continue in Washington, D.C. about a new farm bill, he emphasizes the importance of conservation programs for farmers across the country.
2: Since this past December, Jason Weller has served as acting chief of USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service, but he has just recently been named chief of the agency. And one thing he knows, conservation programs are an important part of the Farm Bill. Conservation, it's more than just something that's nice to have. It's really becoming almost part of the business operating plan for a lot of farmers and ranchers. And the best conservation is actually practices that help producers be economically safe successful. So for us at NRCS, sustainable agriculture really is about ensuring the wise use of the resources, but then also making sure they're successful business operators and that the best use of the land is actually in agricultural production. And so, yes, conservation can help them better manage the soil resources, better manage their nutrient inputs, be you know, more efficient in the nutrient application, um, be more energy efficient, be more water efficient. So at the end of the day, it's saving wear and tear on the farmer, wear and tear on his or her equipment, saving the money, putting more money in the, their pocket, in many cases helping them be more productive, but also then providing a broad array of benefits for people
0: who live down the stream, in the airshed, in their community.
2: Learn what programs may benefit your operation at your local NRCS office.
0: Georgia Cotton Commission's Richie Seaton wants growers across the state to know they do invest dollars each year in research efforts to help in areas such as weed control. Randall Wiseman has the report.
2: Cotton growers face various obstacles each year, whether it's weather, weeds, or other issues. And while there's not much we can do about the weather, the Georgia Cotton Commission's Richie Seaton does want growers across the state to know they invest dollars each year to help in areas such as weed control.
3: You know, with the complexities that we're facing today, particularly, in weed control it's almost like a balancing act you use these chemistries these chemistries these chemistries and and you mix it up trying to be good stewards of those technologies so that we can keep them in our toolbox for use in future years and you know the most important thing is is to continue building that understanding and refining what we're doing and here again just further honing in on those things that will make a difference in our producers operations.
2: Seaton said the Georgia Cotton Commission works with UGA researchers to tackle the issues that most affect cotton growers across the state.
0: The Georgia Beef Board held a regular meeting during the Georgia Cattlemen's Association Summer Conference. Suzanne Black looks back at what they discussed and also tells us how beef was promoted to a television audience.
3: We were in Callaway Gardens for our summer conference and it was a success. We had a great turnout. The Beef Board Committee actually met to discuss our budget for the next fiscal year. We're obviously continuously aiming at using those checkoff dollars efficiently as cattle numbers are decreasing. Despite the fact that they're decreasing, we're still promoting around the state of Georgia, trying to get more bang for our buck all the time to get that message of beef out there.
2: And then this week, Suzanne was able to get the beef message out to a TV audience.
3: I actually went to Atlanta with Chef Alex Rethoff. He is from the TV series Back to the Table. And we teamed up, and he did some cooking of beef, and we talked about beef, and we really aimed at the target of heart-healthy beef, heart-healthy cuts out there, Um, different options for a lean and healthy lifestyle. Chef Alex actually just went through a heart attack in April, and he talked a little bit about how that he's changed his lifestyle and incorporated beef into that. And so it was a great message in the Atlanta area for us to push beef in heart-healthy ways that consumers can get involved.
2: Just another example of how the beef checkoff is being put to use in Georgia.
0: There's often a decisive line between gardeners, those who like to grow things to eat and those who prefer the beauty of flowers. But that line doesn't have to be there at all, since flowers can be more than decoration.
1: Well, there's often a decisive line between gardeners, those who like to grow things to eat, and those who prefer the beauty of flowers. But that line doesn't have to be there at all, since flowers can be more than decorations. Just a few of the options that provide for both beauty and flavor include daylilies, begonias, marigolds, chrysanthemums, honeysuckle, lilacs, geraniums, pansies, and violets. And of course, all the flowers of herbs can be consumed. And in addition, think of all the flowers that bloom in your traditional fruits and vegetables, such as broccoli, radishes, strawberries, and squash blossoms, as they can all be snipped and used in salads or stir-fries. And of course, the king of all flowers, roses, also edible with their petals being used for centuries in infusions or oils. But obviously, not all flowers can be consumed. So if you're not certain about a plant, be sure to contact your local master gardener. And also be mindful not to consume any plants that have been sprayed with fertilizers or pesticides.
0: Great care is given to bring to consumer fresh and clean farm products. We close out this week with Everett Greiner telling us just what some of these steps are.
2: Most vegetable farms are putting in huge wash tanks to make sure the foods that you get fresh from the farm are also clean and healthy. Our Department of Agriculture continually looks for ways to keep our food clean. I watch about 500 wagon loads of cantaloupes a week go by my house on the way to the packing sheds, all washed to remove any field impurities. Up until this year, they went directly from the field to your kitchen. When that case of food contamination occurred in Indiana last year, FDA stepped right in. They always do. But most of the cantaloupe growers I know didn't wait. They took it upon themselves to install these wash tanks. And they don't come cheap now. I haven't checked, but I know some of them are using them for other crops. Cucumbers, tomatoes, bell peppers. I don't know about you. But this makes me feel a
0: whole lot better. Remember, you can find these stories along with all the big southeast agriculture reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Daniel Lake with Southeast Agnet's podcast.